ready to kick off a good show tonight. We got uh, a great episode planned. Uh, we have Micah Gold and Austin uh, Lanzarone from Berenbrug. Uh, Micah is the market development manager, and Austin is the director of sales. Uh, so we're ready for all things grass seed and turf and grass industry and all kinds of great questions from us and from you. Uh, so make sure you're hopping in the live chat to uh, to ask those questions. We'll pull them in and and uh, and throw them over to the guests to answer. And uh, maybe even a few a uh, few surprises later in the show too. So uh, make sure you stick around uh, for what's going to be a great episode, episode 18 of uh, of the Keep Off the Grass live cast. So before we get into on 18. Uh, yeah, yeah eighteen, that. eighteen on the eighteenth, right? Yes, sir. And uh, you know, always first things first, right? Grab glass and uh, keep off the grass. Go ahead, pop your white claw there, Mister. <laughs> He's got those Michelob Ultra light seltzers. <laughs> those are so good. <laughs> What's up, Cody? Man, I, I've missed you, man. Oh man, I, lie, I missed you. Every time I see you guys jump on, I'm just like, man, I could be there, and then I get vomited on, and I'm just like, that's, <laughs> that's he's, not, he's not used to <laughs> conversating with adults yet, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, real life stuff. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff, love yeah. it. It's Gary's yeah. now. Y'all see this? Good. Yeah, that's true. Th- these are some sweet shirts. Yeah. Sweet hats. <laughs> that is that's some of the best stuff that uh, our marketing team has come up with. So everybody loves those shirts. Everybody yeah. loves those shirts. You just get that one bubbly when it yeah, comes yeah, to that, this. <laughs> where, where David, the, David and Mark yeah. got a real sweet hat. I like that one. That that maroon. Oh, and uh, Cody too. Leather patch hats. Yeah. <laughs> Did you well, guys like send a- one of those shirts to the to the turf nerd himself? He just broke a thousand followers. I, th- I think I need to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is like his actual name. Yeah, yeah if everybody could uh, hit that like button. Um, I see there's about 36 people in here. Only got 13 likes. Be greatly appreciated. Yeah, just uh, just a quick announcement that we start off with. Just so you guys know, those in the chat and those listening here on the podcast, we do have a website, kotg.live. Hop in there, check it out. We got all of our live streams, past live streams on there. We also have uh, introductions to who we are, a cool little map that Sean made that tells us where we're at in the United States. So you guys can, you know, group up with who who's in your area and kind of follow us along and stuff. So KOTG.live and then also Instagram is keep.off.the.grass. Yeah, and That's and from the website, too. you can uh, yeah, you could get the link to our our nice collection of uh, of t shirts. So nice. We have uh, starting to starting to pop up. <laughs> we don't yeah. we don't always wear Berenbrug merch. We have our own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we appreciate Berenbrug merch. Brent, we're twins. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, look at that. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, twins. I would have worn mine too, but my washer shrunk it a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Don't think you want to see that right now. Taco Tuesdays. Hey, that might have got some views. That might have got some views. Come on now. It's true. I know I should have. I should have went for the two X because this uh, extra large is wearing me. I'm not wearing it. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> nice. size shirt, but have to get the medium size. Medium. Oh, man, you're busting out. <laughs> medium. Who's wearing a medium? Yeah. Get the medium, David. <laughs> Come on, bro. I got the medium. Let's go. It's medium. It's medium. Hmm. Well, we do have, uh, you know, our our Micah and our Austin uh, guests on, so uh, we'll give them a chance to kind of introduce themselves too. Uh, so, Micah, do you want to give a little little background about yourself and kind of how you got into the uh, into the industry? Yeah. No, I like everyone in the turf industry kind of starts somewhere different. Um, I am no different in that sense. So I actually kind of started in, you know, I was a high schooler who had no idea what he wanted to do. I went to school for sports medicine, uh, law enforcement, kind of criminal justice background. And then out of the blue, like literally the week before I went to Oregon State University, heard about this turf management program and heard you could work on a golf course. You could have a dog like with you. Like those all sound awesome. I could be outside and I literally like on orientation day, I switched. Um, so kind of just jumped in the water, honestly. So went through Oregon state turf management program and ended up getting my master's as well in horticulture. So that's kind of the Avenue I went. So with a main golf course background, doing a lot of research, some trials with a team there, um, actually got into the golf course industry as assistant superintendent but then got actually pulled into Berenbrug, just kind of, you know, perfect timing, perfect storm kind of thing happening there. Back in grad school, I did some work with them, analyzing some data, kind of some seed history, some seed trends over time, you know, looking at, you know, fluctuations from perennial ryegrass to tall fescue, kind of where does that come out uh, in the market year to year? And basically, yeah, just kind of fell into Berenbrug and I've been here for three years now. And what what nice. do you do at Berenberg? So I actually started out in product development. So kind of hand in hand from what I did in grad school, a lot of turf grass trials working, you know, analyzing data from NTEP, uh, going out to other research centers or research, research sites and doing specific trials for products we're looking at, uh, developing in the short term and long term. And that lasted for about two years. And now I'm in a new position which is a little different, but still in marketing. So market development manager, I kind of assist the sales people around the country, uh, kind of a turf expert and doing a whole bunch of different random things, honestly. More or less, I like, I like to tell Micah that uh, my description of Micah is he writes novels to everybody else because he's so detail orientated. Uh, so much so I asked for cliff notes because <laughs> you ask for a sentence, he gives you a mile long book. Uh, intriguing reads for most, I will say, but uh, Mike is my guy when it comes to for technical info and a long-winded conversation. So I, I think some of the guys I work with on this podcast or livecast will probably have seen some of those emails I see. <laughs> like I'm like, if these guys are turf nerds like me, like I'm just gonna like throw it all out there. So sorry, <laughs> but not sorry. <laughs> uh, it's, all, it's all good. I I like I like the reading material. So yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, and then Austin, you know, director of sales, how, how do you, you know, what's your background that got you into, into a position like that? So um, when I started, I'm originally from Kentucky, so I'm a transplant over here in Oregon. But uh, when I started college, I went to the University of Kentucky and I was an accounting major. And then for some reason, I thought I could do math. Didn't work out for me at all. Math is uh, pretty difficult for me. So 
uh, ended up uh, started working on a golf course there in my hometown and uh, in Lexington, Kentucky, where I worked at. So got into uh, plant soil science degree from University of Kentucky. So many, many years ago, and then I had an opportunity to jump into sales. So I worked for a distribution company out of Alpharetta, and I was serving them uh, their territory in the state of Kentucky. So I was doing chemistry and fertilizer, making programs, doing the whole gambit that you guys are pretty used to, um, talking about with your customer base and end users. And then after that, I got an opportunity to move to Denver, Colorado. And, and I will say one thing, I'm pretty fortunate that uh, a home is where you make it uh, for me. And so, you know, sticking back to my roots at Kentucky, it's fun, fantastic, but I like to see the world. I like to go adventure and see places. So ended up in Denver, Colorado for a few years as a fertilizer broker. And more or less, I was uh, procuring ammonia and urea from production, domestic, international uh, areas as well. And then bringing those back into the United States and basically transporting them throughout the United States. Uh, main focus was co-ops. Uh, but ethanol plants up in the Midwest area there. So uh, after that, I had an opportunity about seven years ago to move to Oregon and start my my official grass seed uh, career. And then I've uh, been with Barenbrug for as a director of sales total for almost two years now. So it's been a, been a long journey, but it's kind of interesting for me. It's been fun because I have been able to move across the country and, and then uh, kind of go from there. But management-wise, warm season, cool season, uh, pretty much the whole gist of what we're talking to in the United States. For uh, for joining the episode tonight, and you know, like like I said, we're we're mostly planning like a Q and A kind of format. So you know, questions from us, questions from the live chat, uh, we'll we'll throw them out there and kind of see where see where the discussion goes. But uh, so and, and first of all, thank you for recognizing uh, Austin that that math is stupid and pointless in real life. So. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Uh, but, you know, while, while we're waiting for some questions to start to start to come in, uh, you know, one of the big kind of topics that people are talking about, especially now and going into you know the summer and everybody kind of starting to think about fall, uh, especially cool season uh, folks is, you know, the, the grass seed shortage that we're all kind of hearing about. So, you know, what what do we as homeowners kind of need to need to understand what's happening and uh, what should we expect to happen over, you know, especially this year and then into the next couple of years? Yeah, there's, it, it's kind of a, a multifaceted answer. And I'll t- try to do my best to hit all, all areas fairly quickly. So uh, there's a, a global grass seed shortage. There's a lot of issues going about uh, through uh, different species in the United States. So what's going on is that uh, basically the retail segment of the business uh, with COVID has been pretty extreme as far as growth goes. We've seen uh, 25% on average, for the most part, a year-over-year growth as soon as COVID started because people are interested. They want to. They can't travel, so now they're doing new hobbies and everything else. You guys, you pick up new things when you can't leave the house. So fortunately enough, home projects have been it. That sector of the marketplace is huge, huge revenue for everybody and has been for quite some time now. So uh, with that going on, there's been an increased demand within the grass seed business because people are buying more grass seed and they're more focused on renovations for their home lawns and things like that. So with that as well, retail takes a large piece of the pie as far as production goes out of the market segment. 
for us, we have two different sectors. The, we have a consumer products division, so big box stores for the most part. I'll sum that up pretty easily. And then a professional side. That's the side that Micah and I focus on. And our specialty uh, items would be for uh, forage, turf, and also export business along with wildlife. So in the grand scheme of things, a lot of things have happened this year. Uh, Scott's miracle Grow they purchased a, a seed dealer called Columbia Seeds that were only in the professional turf market. They took out 16 plus million pounds of grass seed in the marketplace, just like this. So it's gone overnight. See you guys. We use it up in retail and maybe getting a little bit too in depth, but at the end of the day here, that was a shortage. We were already short on perennial ryegrass production, clean quality perennial ryegrass. And so prices started to bump up and increase pretty rapidly. As the as Scotts bought all that material out of the marketplace there, so as prices increased, then other individuals started going to more affordable species. Tall fescue being one of those species, also turf type mm-hmm. annual ryegrasses being another one there, and more or less just a whole s- scheme of price increases and people wanting to buy grass seed. As we sit today, we're getting ready to go through a new harvest cycle here in. About a month now, we'll start harvesting annual ryegrass up here in uh, the Pacific Northwest, mainly the Willamette Valley where Mike and I live. And uh, the crops are a little bit iffy when it comes to that because we've had, this has been a year that we're already slinging water in the fields, production fields in those areas there. When that happens this early, you're going to have some yield drags or yield loss percentage value-wise. And also we've had some mole and vole, mice and vole damage in a lot of those areas on tall fescue and printing ryegrass. So uh, we're estimating some pretty good hits on yield. So it's speculation today, but, you know, I tell our customers, my sales team that, uh, you know, I get to be the negative Nancy, unfortunately, because there's not a lot of softening going on in the marketplace there because there's a lot, a lot of demand and very, very little supply. So, and I could, I can talk hours on that one, but I'll sum it up there for just for, questions and if mike has any comments as well talk hours man (laughs) (laughs) i'd say austin kind of comes in with like the negative nancy stuff and a lot of where i would come in then is well him too but more of the positive look towards the future um but in years like this it is kind of hard to get out of that almost because i mean that is the day-to-day everyone's just wondering because you know for a lot of our end users their job could be on the line uh, so it is very stressful and that is their <laughs> a lot of their main worries right now. And there's not too much you can be like, hey, well, look at this cool thing. Well, that could be a year down the road or more. So, yeah, we, we've seen, uh, you know, overseed seasons coming about for you guys in the southern U.S. And, you know, it's mainly on golf courses, LCO accounts, things like that, your home lawns, those that are managing warm season uh, turf. So interseeding is something that's kind of basic. It happens every year. It's actually Percentage value has gone down at how many homeowners have are overseeding versus now using uh, turf pigments or paints, as you would call that. But, you know, at the end of the day, that season's upon us. There's a lot of pressure on those superintendents, those LCO account managers, business owners, end users, what have you. They want lush. They want color in their yard in the offseason. They want to have that, you know. And so as we prep for that, that overseed season coming up, you know, early August is really the big time frame, shipping time frame for us to prepare. 
a lot of people don't have options distributor wise. I will say that because prices are really high, very, very expensive when it comes to that. So it's, um, it's good and bad. We're having people come to us and say, Hey, what do you have options wise? So we as Baron Brug are thinking outside the box because again, we have to have find solutions for people. That's kind of how we go to market. You've got a problem. Micah's going to solve it. I know that flowed really well, but we'll let Micah wrap <laughs> for us later on. So, but, uh, solve it. that's a little, yeah, it's a little before Micah's time. So, <laughs> but we're trying to find the solutions out there guys. And you know, the solutions are out there. You just got to be a little bit different just because you did it yesterday, or your dad did it, your grandpa did it. Doesn't mean that's going to be the way you're going to do it today. You know, you got to be successful. Being successful sometimes takes you to extremes and uh, got to think outside the box. So. And I'd, I'd also frame it, uh, you know, and there's kind of two end users you could picture in our world. It's the distributor and it's the actual end user who's using the seed. So a lot of this is kind of with the distributor level right now. Uh, so they're they're kind of running out first. Well, a lot of the people kind of maybe watching or listening to this live cast as well, they're the ultimate end user. So I get a lot of questions too right now. You're like, oh, well, like your stuff was on Amazon or something. Well, our distributors actually kind of get first look in a sense. Uh, they're kind of the first check, I guess. So it's more of, you know, we're supplying them versus... We do a lot of direct sales sometimes. Uh, we're, we haven't done it very much, just kind of got into that. But I would say for you know quantity, quality, usually the just distributor is the kind of that first, uh, you know, they get the first look. Um, that's where we're having a lot of the shortages and it's just a trickle down from there if we are going kind of direct. So that's where you'll kind of see we're probably not too much on Amazon or like those kind of websites. Uh, maybe do my own as well. But if you're looking for seed and you're in a hurry, I would say contacting like some of our distributors would probably be the best bet. And we even have some that do supply or have their own websites and sell online. So that's usually yeah. where I kind of referencing people to. And and you yeah. mean the, dis the distributors that you can find like on your website, like on the the main Barenberg website? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, there's kind of a lot of info in there, but the main two ways to find one would be where to buy and that would be all of our distributors or if, like we have a buy now button as well and that's more of like straight to a product where can i purchase that which it would take you to some of the websites but, but yeah that's a, a lot of people go that route is literally just no. walk into a distributor but. yeah and more or less it's just be prepared uh, and i could say that to anybody you know preparation is the key to success here because you know knowledge is power and i i tell my team all the time you got to share the information, guys and gals, because the thing is, is that, you know, we're not the only company that's dealing with a grass seed shortage, a crisis here, as we'll call that within our industry. You know, logistics has a lot of problems going on with that. The export market is out of control, absolutely out of control, uh, because vessels are just being rolled. They, they're not going anywhere. And so there's seed sitting in the United States or seed sitting in other countries waiting to come here and everything else. But you know, it's it's a very interesting struggle that I think all seed grassy companies here in the Pacific Northwest are going to encounter and are encountering today. You know, we've been pretty fortunate and lucky. Uh, we went through an acquisition in October. We purchased uh, Jacqueline Seed and brought them under the Barenbrook conglomerate, I guess we'll say. 
here in the United States. And, you know, they became our family because we've had that opportunity to uh, purchase a company that has a great, fantastic historic legacy in the marketplace, especially on the golf side. Really, really large, large presence on the golf side. But it also adds to our genetic portfolio that we can offer you guys. And uh, we really value that. But in the times of need right now, where the future is kind of like, what are we going to get for yields out here in Oregon? How much are we going to get per acre? What's tall fescue price is going to be? What are printer ryegrass price is going to be? You know, we have the opportunity where we took two portfolios, merged them into one, and it created a whole lot of chaos uh, for a lot of people in a very short amount of time through that, uh, and especially through this crazy season. But at the end of the day, we're setting fairly comfortable and we're able to have conversations with our customer base. Hey, here are your options. This is what we can do for you and everything else. Uh, and also the biggest option is going to be coated grass seed. And uh, we have yellow jacket uh, coated grass seed, which is, allows us to do a lot of things with a very small amount of inventory to still provide value to uh, the end users and to our distribution partners, especially when price points are high and uh, it fits a niche market that Fahrenberg's done a really good job with in the past creating and marketing that brand. So what is that uh, yellow jacket um, coated seed? You know, what's, what's the benefits of the coated seed? I'll let Mike take this one. I thought you would. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm actually on our like, global seed enhancement group, as we call it in Berenbrug, uh, with all of our opcos across the globe, kind of working on development, kind of in a uniform fashion, uh, regardless of that. Our yellow jacket seed enhancement coating, the primary kind of benefit there um, is a water absorbency package it has. So that little image right there, I think it's probably around I don't know, five to eight years old or so. That's kind of more of our bent grass portfolio. But the main core ingredient is the super absorbent. So holding water in very dry environments, which often happens to be overseeding. Uh, a lot of the LCO homeowners that we run into, a lot of the problems are like, oh, well, the grass didn't germinate. A lot of the times it's, you know, how much did you water? You start to dig down. That's kind of the core problem. So it really solves that issue. And literally just not having to worry about it as much in the summer months. Uh, also has a fungicide package with Apron XL. So with, I think that's methanoxinum is the active ingredient there. So with that kind of water absorbency, as well as fungicide, that strategy beyond just holding water is shortening or expanding the seeding window by being able to plant later in, you know, instead of early fall, late summer, sometimes right in the middle of summer. So that's also a strategy in kind of keeping your turf stand clean. So if you can avoid the season of POA, you know, having to worry about, you know, oh, I got to get my tenacity or mesotrion app down with my seed, which I would still kind of recommend. Um, it just gives the turf manager a little more, a few more options. Um, other things as well, it does have a little fertility package in there, a bunch of micros, I believe phosphorus, uh, some potassium. I don't know how much nitrogen is in there, uh, but that's kind of included. And thankfully we jumped on the yellow colorant. Obviously it's like the barren brick yellow. Um, 
some of the seed coatings you would probably notice depending on your soil type as well. It's a, can be kind of camouflage in there, especially raw seed. So, you know, it's not the biggest benefit, but it's just another little thing where you see that. Visible. Just, yeah. You're not worrying about, Oh no, there's a skip in my yard now I have to go back in, uh, fill that. And it's not the same. Well, that's pretty good. You can see coverage. Mm-hmm. Does, does that yell, does that coating, um, raise your germination percentage? I guess, you it, know, like some really stuff depends. like 85% and some's 90. So the way I kind of always refer it to refer to it is it's in like a good insurance policy. So if you're the professional or if, you know, you're a lot of us here during COVID being able to just go out in my yard, check it every hour, literally just hand watering. If I needed to, you might not need that. Um, but if you are in those scenarios where you forgot to water it or you overwatered it and possibly have uh, dampening off diseases, that's kind of the situation where you might lose potentially up to 50% of the seed uh, in a negative, you know, event like that drought or disease where that uh, seed coating would then buffer that and increase that germination. So we get a lot of end users saying, Hey, like I noticed it like, germ faster or increased germ it will in some scenarios but that's not like you know the bulletproof coating is doing this to everything um and that's why we all actually work as a global <laughs> entity is trying to find you know more surefire ingredients or products that we can put <clears throat> in coating onto seeds and provide even better benefits so once it's coated like that do you recommend less um less seed in a square foot than you would a non-coated, you know, like, you know, a lot of times overseeding is say five pounds to the thousand in bare dirts, eight pounds to the thousand. If it's coated like that, do you drop that back some? So we, I, go for it. I'll stick with, with consistent seeding rates guys, you know, and to kind of sum it up, the, you know, the biggest thing is, is that uh, we may know how to, how to manage water. Okay. At the end of the day, not everybody knows how to how to manage their water or have access to water. Uh, the the coated versus non coated battle has been going on for a long period of time. Uh, I've sold against it. You guys have probably sold against it or heard somebody sell you against coated grass seed. Uh, there's a market for everything when it comes to that. When you're talking bare ground, um, you know I'm looking for if it's a new site, I want raw grass seed to go out there. Uh, and the reason being is because I want that density. Eight pounds per thousand, throw it out in there. You're going to be working it in the soil and everything else. Uh, and you're going to be more focused on keeping the moisture in the soil. So your viability is there, you know. So when you're looking for just an interseed method, you've already got established turf in there. Let's talk cool season, for example. Uh, when you're up in cool season markets there and you're interseeding, you've already got established turf. Yellow Jacket's a good product there because you can actually visibly see it. Your customers, your homeowners, they can see what you're doing there. We're adding that uh, Azuba, which is a water absorbent agent on there too. So because guess what? I'm an expert. I, I can water yards. I know what I'm doing, guys. But I only water three o'clock every night. That's all that I water. And that's a consistent statement because that's a lot of beliefs. Water early in the morning, you're going to be perfect. That's not the actual case. Come on. Humidity takes effect there. You know, there's a lot of factors that go into play. If the wind's blowing, guess what? You missed half your yard. Sorry, guys. You become responsible at that point in time. So what Yellow Jacket does is that it helps increase that time frame. 
that if you miss something, if you forget something, you know, at least you're going to have a little bit added protection when it comes into that. Most of the time when we're seeding guys, you're doing in August, September, disease is rampant. I'm still watering like crazy because I don't know how to water properly, just for an example. So um, it does have that fit and it has that void, but I always stick with, if you're looking for extreme density on a, a new playing surface or new area, home lawn, golf course, what have you, raw seed is a good fit there because we want that dense turf. In the overseed market there, you know, you're going to bump up your seeding rates because density is key. We're just trying to increase the viability of that specific grass seed, that seedling, to make sure that it's going to survive as long as it possibly can until us turf guys, we kill it with something dumb because we're going to do it, you know, so. Well, and I, I also think it, a big important like critical factor here is, you know, what do you guys see establishment complete? Do you see establishment as, you know, is it three months? Is it six months? Is it a year? Is it more than that? On a sod farm, establishment is when, you know, they're actually sod cutting this, delivering it to the homeowner. So they're, like Austin's describing, they absolutely need every plant per, you know, square of whatever area uh, to be there for the sod tensile strength, to be full, to get that full lawn look. Um, now, if you're talking, you know, if I look at an establishment truly as, you know, a year plus, because I'm looking for it to not only fill out the sod, the soil profile with the roots and everything, uh, but to really fill out and anchor itself and root deep. When you look at that, we do have trials where we show, you know, using half the seed from yellow jacket or yes, seed enhancement to a raw seed. It's sometimes the same, if not even better in some scenarios, depending on the region, uh, other uh, stresses. So like with that fungicide or and combination with fertilizer and the right conditions, you can have, you know, the same or even better performance in the long run. Uh, just depends on, you know, what are your needs? Do you need that thing up and firing in two, three months? Then your strategy should probably shift a little bit. Ollie, did we answer your question? Sorry, we kind of got off on a tangent there. Yeah, man. I'm learning. I'm listening. I'm I'm a I'm being a yellow coated seed right now. It's soaking it in. <laughs> I, I gotta say, this is like a just a Barenbrug, you know, distributor event right now. Like this is what you would get anytime Austin and I would I go. Say, I, got, I got some questions for you guys. They're not necessarily just directly you guys. I, I'm kind of curious. You guys were talking about um, you know, the the yields this year. And obviously we've we've heard from a lot of people on particularly on perennial ryegrass. I know that local distributors here for both, for your products, actually for both the Turfstar RPR and, um, or, yeah, the RPR and your RTF product, the distributor I have out here in Iowa that carries a ton of it, they they don't have any. Um, you know, in the last like year, you know, we've had, uh, you know, you guys with Jacqueline Seed, Mountain View Seeds with Landmark, obviously you guys touched on Columbia with Scott's. Do you guys anticipate just from kind of an economies of scale perspective that there'll be continued consolidation in the industry? And, you know, with there being some consolidation for us that are retail customers, like how will that impact us as far as maybe product variety, offering, pricing, or will or we see any impact from that in the future? Yeah, it's a, a good set of questions there. So I'll talk a little bit about um, <clears throat> consolidation. So, uh, you know, when it comes to that, the grass seed industry is a very experienced industry, as I say, 
Uh, there's a lot of individuals that started their career that cut their teeth in this business back in the day, you know, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, what have you. You know, Mike is going to be the other 2000s because he's the baby of the group here. But, uh, you know, grand scheme of things is that those individuals that started it back in the day, that's their businesses. And they went through the ABT days where, you know, they were probably bought and then sold again through bankruptcy, what have you. A lot of their varieties were still existing in the marketplace today through one acquisition or, or another. But, uh, you know, those individuals, they're getting that age to where they hopefully would like to retire or they need to retire, what have you. I'm trying, trying to be as respectful as possible here. But, you know, at some point in time, we all got to hang it up. You know, you got to pass that legacy down that you created and uh, to the next generation. So we have a gap in our industry of those experts that want to be the next owners of companies and stuff like that. So uh, you will see more consolidation for sure, without a doubt, because those individuals, they're going to retire. And guys, if you're listening out there, I hope you do retire because it leads the way for the new of the new. And uh, for us younger guys that, you know, we're aggressive. We want to learn from you and we want to learn how you went to market and everything else. But there's a lot of new things happening here. And we're excited to be a part of the industry and during this time frame. So those consolidation impacts wise, they're going to be huge. One thing from a genetic standpoint, variety name standpoint, let's put it this way. When we uh, were fortunate enough to acquire Jacqueline, we took, let's just say, I'm just throwing a number out there, but we took 25 different varieties that we have on the turf side with Barenbrug, and we more than doubled them with the Jacqueline side. So from a production standpoint, guys, it's not viable for me to have 50 different varieties, half of those being bluegrass varieties, and say, Mr. Farmer, I need you to grow 200,000 pounds of this, 500,000 pounds of this. Oh, this is a small one because it's a midnight type. Just give me 50,000 pounds. That's not viable. Nobody's going to do that. So you're going to see varieties go away as, as companies consolidate together. It's natural science there. So, um, But those impacts are going to be fairly great because you're going to see those companies, those big companies, the Barenbrugs, the Mountain Views, the DLFs, you're going to see that those have the opportunities to say, Mr. Grassseed, man, I'd like to buy your company from you. Here's the cash that I have. Are you interested in moving on? So um, it's going to change the landscape pretty dramatic, drastically when it comes to that. And what what else do you guys see as kind of being, you know, the next thing for um, for for grass seed, especially, you know, coming to the like the retail uh, market and even the the high end, you know, users like us that are kind of going to distributors for for grass seed. Uh, instead of, you know, looking at somewhere like Home Depot or something like that, what, what do you think is next for, you know, what's next for grass seed? That's a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't uh, you guys sell your stuff at Home Depot? Don't you guys have, don't you guys make the Home Depot brand? I'm yeah, so Home Depot. Right. Our, um, our consumer products division, uh, they do majority of the business for majority, if not all of the business for Home Depot. So, um, you know, when it comes to that, it's a different market strategy, guys. You know, for us, um, if I say one thing, I take a dump on them. If I say another thing, I don't say enough. So I'm going to be politically <laughs> correct here and say that, yes, we do supply them. However, the, the deal is it's, it's kind of what you're after. If you want that step-by-step -step process and that service level, 
you're going to get it through distribution. Our partners across the United States, and I will say all distribution partners, whether they deal business with us or not, they have your best interest at heart. And if they don't, go somewhere else. It's real simple. Go somewhere else. Because I guess what? Somebody will find you and they'll, they will hug you. They will kiss you. They'll do whatever it takes to get your business and educate you in the process. So, you know, the Home Depots of the world, the Lowe's of the world, it's big bulk business. But at the end of the day, we want something that we all like to be helped with. We all like to be educated. And distributors bring that approach to all of us, even end users. Micah does a lot of time just talking to end users. And I know he's talking to a homeowner, and I always get up into his ear and I say, Micah, what do you want for lunch? Micah, what are you talking about? Just tell him to use triple 16, bro. You can do it. It's so much fun for me because, you know, that's kind of the love of the game. That it's not for in. me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't multitask. And he starts doing that like poor homeowners on the phone. With me. Uh. <laughs> well, we like to have a good time with it, guys. But, you know, Home Depot, again, I, I always say that, you know, it's it, you look at what you buy. OK, so you can get good quality uh, from Home Depot, uh, but you're not going to have the service there. So I'm not sure if I answered that question or not. Yeah, you did. And I, I didn't mean to, you know, look down on Home Depot because, you know, what, what do you, the, the water, the water saver that you guys put in there, like is is the brand is RTF. Right. And just turf saver is RTF as well. Just a different sort of, you know, level of, of product. Um, and you know, it, 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 it's, it's great to have the options, you know, some of us, you know, like, like I, I went to the distributor, you know, across town last year to get my, uh, RTF for, uh, for my overseeding that I did, um, where, you know, my, my brother-in-law, I sent him to home Depot to get the, the, the water saver RTF, uh, since he could get it there. Uh, they didn't have a distributor nearby. So, you know, it's, it's good to have those good to have those options, but, you know, kind of thinking about, you know, in the next few years, you know, you mentioned a little earlier too, about, you know, kind of thinking through new solutions to problems and just kind of wondering what, you know, what are you guys starting to see emerge as those uh, solutions that we could kind of expect to see too? Yeah. Things that you will expect to see, this is going to be for distribution and also in the retail world, uh, consumer products or Home Depot world, when you, when you come to that, you're going to see a difference of formulations because as you know, we all want to be as competitive as possible because at the end of the day, you know, we hope that price is one of the, the objectives that makes you a buyer of that product. And we hope that's number three when it comes to that. You, know, you got the service aspect, you got genetic quality. Okay. And then you've got a price point as well. So the thing is, is that you're going to see your traditional formulations if you're buying, at, let's just say, an 80% tall fescue, 20% perennial ryegrass blend or mixture from distributor or store, you may see that perennial ryegrass percentage value shrink ever so slightly. Reason being is because perennial ryegrass is up here. Tall fescue is kind of in that middle realm right now. So when that occurs, you're going to see some varying results. Is it a bad thing? Not necessarily. But the thing is, is that that's the solution to a shortage issue that we have across the globe. And uh, that's going to be probably the biggest change that you do see from a genetic standpoint. Again, there's new varieties coming out every single year. It takes a long time to produce a new variety from conception to completion. 
because you're talking about the research end. Let's talk about Micah's end and more in depth from there. But then you have to talk about the grower level side too, because that's another step in the process of evolution of, hey, we're not ready to go to market until it's then we have production acres being produced. So um, we've got new varieties coming out every single year. So do our competitors too. When it comes down to it, the main discussion now is yield on the research side, because if a product can't yield to Mr. Grower here in Oregon, uh, they're just not going to grow it because at the end of the day, that's their revenue. That's how it works. So, yeah, we do a lot of work um, kind of on the marketing side, working, seeing exactly what end users are needing, wanting, uh, what are the pain points that you guys are really feeling. So, you know, we do play a part in NTEP. We like kind of like what Austin's alluding to. We do straights, but you'll probably see a lot of our products or brands uh, being blends or mixtures. So, you know, with that strategy, like we're really trying to be as customer centric as possible. So a lot of those solutions being blends, mixtures, you know, our first step in the whole kind of process, which might be someone's end, end line or end goal would be a straight variety. So in product development, I'd be taking a collection of things, mixing, you know, a bunch of iterations or permutations of these combinations to try and really dig deep, which is pretty hard to find, but try and find some synergistic effects between varieties. So, you know, it's not really as well known, but we have some green earth products where it's really trying to key in on, you know, the best possible product for this one solution. Maybe it's literally just drought tolerance and that's all I care about because I want to save as much water as I can. We're designing a product for that solution or for that problem. Um, same thing goes for many other problems that we, you know, find through market research or just, you know, traditional experience we have on the sales team working with end users. But to that as well, like Austin mentioned, you know, yield and the production cost. I mean, I, I can't really say, but we have a whole bunch of things on the shelf that could be products ready to go, but they don't really make sense yet. They don't maybe yield enough or they're, true value to the end user isn't quite there where it would make sense. Um, you know, we often get a lot of questions about some of those products. Like, why don't you have Glyri? Like, I want this stuff. Like, well, I mean, A, it might not make sense just environmentally or some other <laughs> uh, reasons, but it might just not make sense economically to the end user itself uh, or anyone on this planet. But yeah. That's where I think Berenberg is a little unique is we try to, you know, go to lengths and finding unique solutions, uh, even if that might not be grass seed. So. Nice. Well, I think we should uh, maybe take a pause for a second. And, you know, if we, if we need to get a little drink, you can do that. And, you know, we have something we like to do uh, every week. Uh, our new, uh, our new keep off the grass uh, lawn of the week. So Zach, are you, are you ready to, 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 to head down that road? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'll kick it over to Brian if he wants to um, <laughs> talk a little about it. I will say this week was yeah. the <laughs> toughest week we have had choosing a lawn. I mean, we actually got in a little bit of fight spot it. <laughs> I mean, L Lush had to bust out the lifting videos to let us know, like, hey, man, don't mess with my choice. But uh, we uh, it, there was a lot of good entries this week. Um and yeah, it was a really tough call, but I'll kick it over to uh, Brian for this. 
Yeah, that's what that video was all about. Was Mister? Oh Lester my god! Put, putting his foot down and said, "Hey, this is this is what we're doing." But uh, <laughs> hey, guys, yeah, I mean, tough, tough week. You guys have some amazing lawns right now. Shout out to everybody who's tagging KOTG Lawn of the Week. We appreciate that. We're all watching and looking. Um, we we had some, and then we had some others, and then we went with another route. But uh, we settled uh, for this week. We've selected Cam of Elevated Lines with yeah. his amazing. Hey, look at that. Yeah. Yes. Woo, man, Cam. He, yes. He came. He came in hot stripes. with this one. Yeah, that. Uh, it's looking dark. Nice contrast. I mean, I told him this week. I said, "Man, you're making me look <laughs> foolish, bro." So keep yeah. tagging that KOTG Lawn of the Week. Um, that's. Uh, we're all following the tag pretty much and we're looking at it and even these last minute entries, like these last couple of days we had, you know, a good amount of entries these past few days. So keep them up. It's awesome. Um, this was a really tough call this week. Um, shout out to cam at elevated lawnscapes. Go give him a follow on Instagram, YouTube. Um, yeah, he's got some great content. So will we see him drinking any butt light or bush <laughs> the next few days? <laughs> yeah, I know he's got a he's got some big shoes to fill with uh, drunk drunk lawn guy and uh, oh my dear lawn they uh, they were they were wearing some crowns these past couple of weeks so I think they're wanting them back that's the thing so yeah can you still, <laughs> get, a, can you still get them crowns at Burger King? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> well, a drunk drunk lawn guy made his own crown, right? Didn't he, he make is. a? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, awesome. So yeah, yeah. Congratulations, Congrats, Cam. Cam, you Cam you up this week. this week, man. Yeah. Rush yeah it. Everybody else, keep them up, man. The, like I said, you're making our our jobs tougher every every week when we have to paper rock scissor or <laughs> fight about it or Mr. Lush has to break out those videos. So yeah. And and we know the the warm season grasses are just starting to pick up a lot of steam too. So you know we That's we right. haven't forgot about we haven't forgot about that. So yeah. you know we see Don't Cody forget. getting his his green lawn uh bouncing back now too. So you know we're, Where's we're Cam? looking it's getting there. It's Maryland getting there. is he in Maryland Cam? I think yeah. so. Yep. Might be might be near you Sean. I don't yeah. know if any of y'all having trouble. I keep having to hit the. I keep saying, mine keeps saying something went wrong. Tap to retry. Any of y'all seeing that? Yeah, I've had a couple of times on. I think YouTube. my camera's frozen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got. We I got a quick question, if I can ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On on tall fescue, how long does it take for the grass seed to um, mature to where it will germinate? I was told forty days, but. Like vernalizing, like after it's harvested and no, no, like or? just for instance, you know, when I first started messing out here, you know, gra- when I first bought grass seed, I was like, God dang, man, this this shit's high, you know, and um, <laughs> I got to thinking that you know, hey, I'll just uh, I'll let it grow up, I'll let it seed out, and place look like a jungle, and let it overseed itself. But you hear a lot of people say the seed's sterile. But then I've been told also that that if I let it go out there, you know, do that deal, it takes it has to be like forty days old or something. And I didn't know basically what's the timeline like for y'all to harvest. I would I would say when you're mowing your lawn, you got a little bit of poa, 
mm-hmm. and that poa starts to grow and spread it's probably coming from the seed so even though i mean the, the highly you know chance of a our tall fescues or a ragrass whatever the grass is bluegrass very probably small chance a lot of it would be you know fertile like ready to go but i mean <laughs> weed seeds are definitely more prone to you know having a high germination in that scenario but i mean the actual fescue i don't mean yeah. like weeds or nothing i mean like the actual fescue like i got so a couple mean- i got a couple clumps that i'm just letting them go like off to the side <laughs> and i'm letting them go and they're seed headed and all and i was just thinking you know is that seed sterile or is it, you know, would it germinate if it was so, you know, so old? Yeah, I'm not a production expert by no means. I can explain what happens out here, um, if that may help a little bit, Ollie. So, you know, from from our standpoint here in Oregon, you know, we're we tend to have very moist fall, winter, springs. Um, what she said. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. I was waiting on that one to come. <laughs> so, gotcha. uh, there, there's liquid, there's liquid flying in the air uh, for three seasons of the year. So for us in the summertime, we break off and it becomes zero rain for the most part. It's very unlikely we could get any showers whatsoever. Typically that starts happening. Let's just say the end of May uh, through probably October is a little bit rough, but September timeframe, just as use that as an example so when it turns off every grass seed goes into the stage where it starts producing seed heads then pollination happens there'll be times when i'm driving to work and i take back roads the whole way to work it's a it's on farmland (laughs) and the deal is is that you see nothing but a fog sitting over the tall fescue or annual ryegrass and that's more or less that's that that crop pollinating that's where the yellow jacket comes from (laughs) <laughs> it comes from limestone as a carrier, but we could talk more about that if you'd like to. So, but, uh, you know, from that standpoint though, after it pollinates at that point in time, you know, at some point in time, the grower says, and he talks to our production team, also his distributor that he's using uh, out here to help him with his crop management, very similar to the corn markets for you guys in the Midwest. They all have advisors that come in and they talk to them about when's the best time to do X, Y, and Z. So they have that too. So at that point in time, you know, the farmer decides he's going to harvest that crop. Combine comes out, bam, bam, bam. Then they let it dry down. The uniqueness that we have in Oregon is that with the low moisture, no humidity for the most part whatsoever, we don't have to use propane as a dry down agent. So in the Midwest, propane's a big user for corn to dry it down to a specific moisture content. For us, it's the same concept, just different species, obviously, but we don't have to worry about having that propane to dry it down to a specific uh, percentage value. So it then can go into the cleaners there. So again, I'm not an expert when it comes to production. I understand the cycles, but I would say that um, it's going to look pretty when it goes dormant, Ollie. Seed hats flapping in the wind. Even if you got five of them and that's all you got, take a picture of it. Watch it blow in the breeze at night. Have a beer next to it. I'm not sure you're going to get any seed to germ out of it, but that's a crapshoot guess for me. So, all right. You're not even. I didn't know. I just one. I've I've got mixed conceptions, you know, or whatever, and I didn't know. I mean, like I say in the beginning. I thought I'd just let it grow up, let it seed out, let it fall, place look like a jungle, and 
not buy grass seed. Now I just buy <laughs> grass seed. <laughs> I would say just buy grass seed as well. But, you know, again, you could have success with that. But I think your percentage values of success are probably so minimal that, um, you know, you're you're just going to have a nice lawn ornament flapping in the breeze when it when it starts going into the boot stage and heading out. So, yeah. yeah. And, and some of us year. don't live out on the country like you, well, we can't, you know, we got <laughs> n- neighborhood, uh, you know, HOA things to worry about. We can't have a big <laughs> tall fescue on like that. I ain't got to worry about that. <laughs> Just say yeah. ornamental. <laughs> right. my, my goal next year is maybe to keep it from seeding less, you know, cause like right now it just went through trying to seed head real hard and it, it looks rough, you know, cause all the stalks. Yep. So. No, and that's understandable. You know, that's that's kind of it's kind of like uh, zoysia when it's coming out. You know, it starts get that stalks that grow up there. They can't mow them down with a fairway unit by no means. So, uh, it can be an eyesore for sure. But um, you know, again, consistency with your mowing always equals success there. So, and fertilization and irrigation, the three. Yes, sir. <laughs> but Ollie, I will say, listen, if you live in the country, listen, let it grow up. Let it blow in the wind. When it turns, when it goes into that that browning dormancy stage, it's absolutely beautiful. When you've got a nice thick lush stand there, uh, flapping in the breeze there. So, see, Austin's further along it. in his career. He's probably thinking about retirement more than me. I want to utilize my grass <laughs> or show off to my neighbors. <laughs> hey, so speaking of that, what's your guys' lawns look like? You guys, you guys take care of your own personal home lawns. Oh, yeah. I want to know about your. Uh, your home lawns and what you got in it, what you do to it. I mean, manage it or. Well, I, uh, okay. I've killed more grass than I've actually successfully been able to grow. So, uh, my take on that. So last year I bought, um, I bought about, uh, no methylene urea. So, uh, actually, uh, urea from Althide. I bought it from a local distributor here and here up here in the, in the Pacific Northwest, we don't really get too warm enough where you can utilize the microbial activities that uh, nitroform is the brand name that you call it. So I put about 16 pounds of N down at one point in time. I'm lazy when it comes to this. I want to, wham, bam, thank you, man. Be done with it. So I put it down and I mow two times a week. I double cut every time I mow. I stripe the shit out of my property. And then I tend to show pictures over to Micah as well. Just to make him jealous because he doesn't strike. So <laughs> that's awesome. Nah. I love it. Uh, my front yard, I'm kind of more the uh, super fine texture, soft to the feet. So I've got our Shade Savant product. It's like a fine fescue praying ryegrass mixture, uh, which could be drought tolerant if it needs to be. Um, but for that, I tend to be, you know, I don't only one to two pounds of nitrogen per thousand <laughs> per year. Uh, I mean, I only mow once a week because it's also very low growing, slow growing rate with fine fescues and ryegrasses, very fine textured. So not much, you know, organic matter coming out of it, or I just mulch it back in the backyard. It's kind of my two, you know, like you guys want to experiment and do different things, you know, business in the front, party in the back. And the back is more of my like test out because we have this unique access working for Berenberg my wife hates it because I'm always killing my lawn. Like, okay, let's try this next thing. I'm already talking about redoing the front yard. She's like, no, I haven't even enjoyed it for a year. Uh, so in the backyard, I'm going with one of our newest and like highest performing tall fescues. 
So I'll probably be going with that. Uh, I think a little bit of bonfire and one of our newer RTF types. So kind of a makeshift product development type thing for RTF back there. And uh, speaking of uh, RTF and for everybody that's uh, kind of stuck with us through, I guess there's some technical difficulties kind of popping up on the stream and, uh, and on the, 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 the YouTube site itself. So thanks. Thanks everyone that's stuck around. And, you know, if you're still around in the chat, we got a, a nice little giveaway uh, for, uh, for everybody. So we have up for grabs a uh, winner's choice bag of grass seed. Uh, so it could be a 50-pound bag of the Turf Saver RTF, the, the Fescue, a 50-pound bag of uh, the Turf Star RPR, the Regenerating Perennial Ryegrass, if, if available, and then the 10-pound uh, bag of the uh, Turf Blue uh, Bluegrass product. So uh, we're going to do a, a, a giveaway. So go ahead and uh, what do we want to have a mentor in the in the well, hold, on, hold on real quick. I'm going to jump off of here and join the chat so I can be eligible for this too. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is, this is a really this nice, is awesome uh, guys. really we nice giveaway. It. Yeah. Great giveaway. Type in seed uh, to be entered into the Berenbrug giveaway. We got, we got a, a winner's choice uh, grass seed giveaway. So it'll be a 50 pound bag of the turf saver RTF 50 pound bag of the, uh, Turf Star RPR or a fifty or a ten pound bag of the Turf Blue uh, Bluegrass. I, I can't get a fifty pound bag of uh, of the Bluegrass. It's a that that would be too nice of a giveaway to do. <laughs> we'd have to we'd have to mortgage my house to pay for a fifty pound bag of, of Bluegrass. <laughs> hey, so regarding um, while people are typing that in, regarding a couple questions we got um, on our social medias. Um, I know a couple, some, some other people got some too, but I got one about if there's any glyphosate tolerant grass types that you guys are um, producing. I know <laughs> they're probably referring to the Pro Vista, um, but it's, it's a question I received. And I also received a question about um, salt tolerant or uh, dog urine tolerant grass types. Yeah, so, yeah, please. I'm a, I'll, I'll stick to the dog urine with Micah there. We'll, we'll let him get nerdy and scientific on you. So uh, as far as the, the glyphosate tolerance, it's an interesting topic because, you know, the way that I look at it is it risk management, okay, from a sales standpoint and everything else. Because at the end of the day, my sales team, they're responsible for, you know, talking the talk, educating along with the, our marketing team as well. But we want to make sure we have a quality product that is viable, that's sustainable, that's fantastic for anybody to use, okay? So there are a few different instances here. Uh, let's talk about a Roundup Ready style, tall fescue, for example, okay? Fantastic idea, love it. However, the impacts of producing Roundup anything in the state of Oregon, Washington, Pacific Northwest, if we produce any of that crop, let's just say it's tall fescue for an example, I then can't sell any crop to Europe because GMOs are banned, okay? A lot of people, you gotta think on a global approach here because again, I'm the negative Nancy of the group. So the scenario is, is that if I produce something, it potentially gets cross-contaminated. No GMOs, bro. That's what they talk. That's what they want. They want authenticity when it comes to that. So as we talk about that, that's a big, big no-no when it comes to a global production set, a scale because we do a lot of, a lot of movements, a lot of exports into Europe as well. Um, from a glyphosate tolerant, 
that have a little bit of tolerance to glyphosate. Tall fescues do have, naturally, they have some tolerance to Roundup, excuse me, or glyphosate. Naturally, uh, you can go low rates. Not sure of those rates exactly, uh, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, you hit something very lightly on tall fescue. You'll ding it. It'll come back out. Uh, we actually have a product called Glyri, and that's a branded product on the Jacklin side that we actually um, procured from them through the acquisition here back in October. Uh, fantastic idea. We have clubs, high-end clubs, low-end clubs that use that product. You know, from my standpoint, from a liability standpoint, guys, it's too risky because at the end of the day, if I'm making a claim that Mr. Superintendent or Mr. Homeowner, you can go out there and you could spray, spray 16 ounces an acre of glyphosate, let's just say, and still have plant life left over. What happens if I don't? I end up buying properties. I end up buying sod. There's a lot of risk involved in that. So uh, that, that's, that's my take on that. So we do have some of those opportunities. However, you know, from a liability standpoint, we've chosen as a company to kind of back away from that because there's so much risk involved. Everyone so. saw how that ended up with GMO bent grass. Kind of the worst case scenario of <laughs> that whole lineage of genetics, you could say. Yep. Uh, if you, it's just like Ollie, if you had that in your property, you let it grow up to see that it did cross contaminate, it got put on a truck somewhere, went into your neighbor's pro uh, property, you're then liable at that point in time if something were to happen. So uh, I'm going to let Micah put a positive spin on dog pee because I know he's got something funny to say about it because I'm just bringing down the crowd here with, with my realism. <laughs> you know, it took my, uh, the Basset Hound that's, my wife's dog that was living with my mother-in-law. It took a full year of having said Basset Hound to prove the point, I think, of, hey, look, this is what true dog urine will do to a grass. Because it's kind of hard to tell, you know, is that a dog spot sometimes, especially with the little loss of opso versus a bigger Basset. Well, this dog pees in the same spot and just destroyed, annihilated half of my yard in that little area. There's not much you can do sometimes, I would say, other than, you know, treat it almost like a fluent irrigation or salt water accumulation. Push that thing through as fast as you can <laughs> uh, after they're done doing their business. People, you know, dog owners don't like my, you know, pretty cynical answer of, well, get rid of the dog if you want your yard to be perfect. Uh, that's not the answer. <laughs> we said that. We said that this week in our group chat. We said yeah. that to Brian. We were like, well, yeah. Maybe you just got to get rid of your dog. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, and and the problem was is uh, you know it went over through winter time, the grass was covered in snow, so you know it would it would snow and then it would melt and snow and melt, and so as soon as it finally melted and it started growing, uh, I mean it uh, it's bad. Um, mm -hmm. I've got so many spots <laughs> that as I almost I have to redo my backyard. I don't have a very big yard, but. I'm going to have to redo the entire backyard and overseed it with something that is more tolerant because I have Kentucky bluegrass, mm -hmm. something that's a little bit more tolerant than that. So I heard maybe um, fescue grass is a little more tolerant. We we often get that a lot from our end users who just swear by like the Turf Saver RTF or when they planted a sod. It, I think, has a little bit more tolerance to that, you know, high concentrated spot in the general that's taking it a little bit 
but with the RTF, you know, is kind of a slower fill-in, but at least has the option to do so. It's kind of combating it with a little bit of tolerance and a little bit of rejuvenation to at least have as best of a fill-in as possible instead of, you know, maybe a less tolerant grass like bluegrass, even though it has really strong rhizomes, you know, it's just getting beat super fast. So it's like a little bit of both worlds. You kind of want the bounce back as well as a tolerance. But yeah, I'd say you know, I haven't heard or seen too many scientific articles like showing this phenomenon, but I do hear anecdotally as well that fescue seems to do a bit better than bluegrass and ryegrass is probably somewhere in the middle. I think there's a an individual that's asking questions. He wants an answer. Super TA, I think that's his name. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I'm happy to, uh, he's come up in quite a different conversations, I guess. So what's the question? Let's help. Let's talk it out. Let's get a fully so, formulated yeah. question, fully formulated issue and bring it to the table because all I hear is a lot of bitching and I don't have any tolerance <laughs> or time for that. <laughs> Yo, let's cut to the chase, my man. Like, what's it about? Yep. Formulate the question. I'm not on YouTube. I'm, yeah. I'm not that advanced, but. However, I will say that ask the question, because if we don't know it, we'll find the answer pretty quickly, because there's a lot of smart individuals, not only on this podcast, but also on the interweb or Internet or whatever you kids call it these days. So <laughs> let's have a good time with it, folks. I know he said that he'd bought some seed on Amazon. <clears throat> yeah, and they had a was, problem, had a problem with germination. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a couple of parts, question. part germination, part like weed content on the bag which part of that weed analysis that kind of comes up in kind of my comment with, you know, straight from a distributor versus direct through Amazon, the product, you know, I picture of it like a pyramid. There's only so much sod quality at the very tip top and none of us, you know, are really able to get that. That's kind of like the sod farm or, you know, maybe a little higher, uh, <laughs> a higher notable course that might be getting that that has you know host majors and stuff uh but at the bottom you know it's just like a trickle down so if our distributor is getting a little bit earlier access than straight to a direct consumer you know might be a little not saying it's going to be bad but it might be a little different on the seed label analysis um and i also get a crack up in terms of just looking at the weed content issue alone you know you always see this 99 percent 99.9 you know weed free same thing kind of with, well, not really, but thinking of the, you know, coronavirus times with, you know, bacteria killing kind of percentage that has nothing to do with other crop uh, that has to do with the weed seed. So it might be, you know, 0.1 weed seed or less, uh, but the other crop is some other component, but as awesome, we're probably going to go down through. Um, tell, you know, tell us right quick what other crop is. Like poetry of well, you know, that's gonna be rough stock bluegrass. So, you know, other crops generally in speaking in and your all's world is going to be annual ryegrass. So uh, and I'm sure you guys you've had a lot of guests on the show and everything else, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, statistics are against us when it comes to seed sampling and testing. Reason being is because you know, a lot of mumbo jumbo here, but a one lot of grass seed is 55,000 pounds. That's how it's identified. When we test a, a bag of grass seed, officials, Oregon State University, Oregon Department of Ag, what have you, when they test something, they take a small probe to say it's the size of your pinky. 
And they poke a couple holes in a bag, a few different bags there. At that point in time, that small lot, which is typically a five gram sample, somebody can do the US version of that if they'd like to. But uh, that five grand sample is a representation of that 55,000 pound lot. Now, um, it's luck of the draw, guys. That's all it is, honestly. We work with quality growers. We work with mediocre growers. We work with growers that fit the bill for all of our facets of our business. However, even the best of the best, most of the time, are not perfect. And, you know, we go through stages that you can be the, the best grower in the world, Ollie. And you know what? We'll buy your crop from you. We're going to get it cleaned. Luck of the draw has it. We sample it. We get some annual ryegrass in there. Eh, doesn't meet quality. We'll either reclean that and go from there, try to get it as clean as possible. But that other crop, speaking, is typically annual ryegrass. I kind of keep it at that, guys, because you can get into a whole different rabbit hole. I like rabbit holes, so that's why I'm going to talk to or hear about Mr. Super TA, what his formulated question is, because I'm seeing Brent up there, his facial expressions. I love it because I can't <laughs> hide this either. So um, formulate Where a proper it? question. <laughs> Where is it? Well, I'm somebody that if you got an issue, let's <clears throat> let's state what the issue is. Let's formulate an actual question and go for it. You know, you look so happy. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm the type of person that if I buy a bag of grass seed and I feel like I did everything I could to make it grow and it didn't grow, then I'm going to say, all right, well, see you later, guys. Let me, let me go to somebody. Else. Let me get a different bag of grass seed and try something else out. Um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my personality. I don't have a lot of time for, uh, you know, whining and crying about stuff. And, uh, you know, whatever, if anybody takes umbrage to that, then, you know, whatever, unfollow me. I don't really care, <laughs> but it, it, you, you know, you it's one of the where, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Soundboard you, Ellie. I got my favorite. Um, I think that you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about different growers, right. And there, there's a whole lot of factors that are going into you know what you're saying austin about growing grass seed and about um growing any crop um yep. you're gonna have different factors on different farms you're gonna have different factors on you know different farmers and how all of that stuff is processed i i would assume i mean i'm no farmer but you're gonna have percentage of your annual yield the um, uh, annual you know kind of um volume that you sell and you're gonna have some that are going to have is, weed is seed in them. You're going to have some that don't, and so you're only going to have a finite amount of you know, you know, super pure. Yep. Right. I, and, I got three acres of turf, and keeping it clean's a bitch. I'd hate to see those fields and trying to keep them clean. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that, how big it, is a field? Just for a rough idea, how big is a field that y'all harvest? I mean, it depends on the species, honestly, for seed size wise, because you know you can get. Uh, you know, a, a ring. So just uh, uh, irrigation wise, think about corn acres. Okay. And uh, pivots, whatnot, a circle can be a hundred thousand pounds. It could be 50,000 pounds. So it does vary quite, a, quite a bit given the species that you have. Okay. So we call them circles. You guys call them in corn country circles as well. So, but at the end of the day, it does vary pretty greatly. Now, one thing I can say guys is that when we get dialed in, 
on grass seed tests, where are the product's going, what we can end up doing is saying, if that crop, if that, if that product, that mixture, let's say it's tall fescue, for example, if it's got a weed in it, that's going to be a summer annual or a winter annual, something that's not going to affect your market specifically, we tend to go to those markets with that crop. It's not inferior, guys. Here's the thing. Inventory management is key. When you buy grass seed, you're tested. You have an investment in that grass seed. It's your job to sell that product, spread that product, make that product grow so everybody's happy. At the end of the day, it's our, it's our job to make sure that we sell that product to our distributors, our big box stores, our homeowners, things like that. Nothing's perfect. So we try to make it as, as perfect as possible. Looking at those tests, looking at the individual problems, most of the time, the weed content in there, it's nothing that's going to persist. You know, it well, may be we, something you could spray out with a broadleaf. Well, we have a lot of experiment experience uh, with Berenberg personnel and the people that are selecting a lot of those, a lot of those lots as well uh, for their blends. So even even in like the consumer realm with like Home Depots and stuff, Ace Hardware, all the above. That's kind of part of like where if they do have a question, you know, in that process of you know manufacturing the blend, getting that ready through our system. Like they might actually just come to me and say, hey, is this weed a problem? Uh, if I do or don't know, I'm researching, I'm looking up, you know, is this other crop going to hinder the turf quality? And that's from a product to the homeowner, to the golf course, sports field, whatever it might be. So, yes, sometimes there's going to be, you know, a crop value in there or even a weed seed value. I don't know. We're selectively, you know, placing that in areas where it shouldn't be as big of a problem. And I'm going to say something real quick, guys. Uh, you know, he bought it on Amazon. So I buy Apple stuff on Amazon, but it doesn't mean Apple's the one who sold it to me. So, you know, unless he verified it was Berenberg that sold it to him, it could have been somebody with a Berenberg bag that threw in some grassy, you, know, you know what I mean, and sent it out I, to him. In that specific uh, scenario, because I helped kind of bring up uh, some of that Amazon product stuff uh, for our professional products and that one in particular. Um that is through us again with germination it's kind of the same story we have germination tests on some of these blends for each of the components none of them look entirely off like growing grass can be easy and it could be hard and sometimes there's things that happen we don't really know about we want the customers to have a good experience so if it goes through the right channels and you know someone asks for a new bag that might happen you know i do a little probing and try and get down to the bottom of it but there's ways to get refunds, uh, get a new bag to test it out, especially through that. You know, Amazon is kind of set up to be a little more customer oriented to have a better experience, too. Set of things I deal with, too, is the common homeowner who, hey, this did not work. Uh, probe around, you know, maybe I find out. I'm not saying this is the case at all. I don't know. But I have so many scenarios where, you know, I saw the best thing was to water it, you know, 10 times a day for this long or, like Austin said, that was my example before is also 3 a.m. once a day. And I find out they're in, you know, Alabama or something growing a cool season grass in the middle of summer. Like, uh, it's not really, you know, the way to go. Then in those scenarios, I'll kind of come back with, you know, here's what I would do. Set up a new product, new solution timing. And probably like Austin mentioned, go a little too detailed in the email back. But soul temps, timing. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, I, I was going to bring that up. So, so is the question, why did my bag of seed not grow, guys? Is that it? Yep. Is that the question? That's it. Okay, That's so, what I'm getting. Yes, I, I, here, I'm, I'm still trying to figure that challenge. out. I think so. Well, here's the challenge. Hey, do you have a soil test? If you do, post it up. Let's talk about it. Okay. B, show hey. us your irrigation. How often did you water? Number two, oh, temperatures. fertilize. What's your fertility? Soil temps, fantastic. Sunlight, shade, are there trees? Listen, you, please, Mr. Super TA329. Be specific as possible, because I will say one thing, and I kind of would go inside with Brett here. Brent, sorry. Um, you kind of get pissed off with vague details because, guys, solution-minded, that's what we're about. Now, it's the same thing I'm going to ask a distributor. What did you spray? Did you spray anything down there? Uh, did your customer spray anything? Why did it not grow? We get pictures all the time, guys. And it's like, prime example, we had a distributor that said, hey, this is some Turf Blue Pro, bluegrass product from, it's a branded product from Barenbrook, fantastic product. Mike is kind of in charge of making sure it's it's clean, clean product shipped to the this distributor. So last year, the field was perfect. This year, there's POA everywhere. We're talking 70% POA. And sure. the guy says, hey, was this in the grass seed? Mike did his homework. He went back, looked at the individual lots, individual tests. There wasn't any POA in that. So then we have conversations about how are you managing this? So Super TA, give us details, call us, email us, talk to the right people. We're happy to help, but we can't help you with why did my grass seed not grow? Sorry if I'm being a little bit too harsh, guys, but this is reality. And no, again, good. nobody has time. So well, and and here's the thing. I mean, it kind of goes back to you know what we were discussing before. I mean, my question, you know. Well, not really so much a question. It's rhetorical, I suppose. How hard is it really to produce a bag of grass seed or to produce a crop of grass seed that's you know totally you know zero weed seed? And in doing so, how much of that supply is really going to reach the end user market on a platform such as Amazon? You know, anybody that follows my page or we've we've talked here, like I'm not beholden to any you know specific company. Um, you know, at least, especially, especially in terms of seed, like, um, you know, I went out and bought cultivars from, you know, another seed company and I went to a turf supply store that supplies, you know, seed for the golf course industry. Um, cause there was something I wanted to try out. And so I was, you know, I was really kind of, you know, specific in what I got. I didn't just hop on, um, you know, an internet retailer and say, well, let me go ahead and, you know, find something else. And, and I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what, you know, happened with, uh, you know, this particular instance. And I'm not, you know, please don't get me wrong. Anybody who's, you know, watching anybody in the chat, uh, you guys at Baron Brug, Super TA, whoever, um, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, you know, start an argument or, you know, call anybody out other than to say, like, let's just get a specifically formulated question. And, again, rhetorically, how hard is it? Like, it's probably pretty hard in my understanding, at least to produce a crop that's 0% weed and, you know, be able to bring that to an end user market, um, you know, in, in, in a space where you can go on and say, all right, well, I'm going to buy this on, you know, a, uh, an internet retailer. Uh, Cause if you want 0% weed, if you want to go get gold tag grass seed, 
like i'm sorry but i don't i would assume my understanding and correct me if i'm wrong but my understanding in my short time my couple of years of taking care of my lawn at this level is you want to go buy gold tag grass seed you know Amazon's probably not the place to do it. Am I am I wrong in that? Um, I, I don't know. And that that's well said. That that's, that is very very well said, guys. It, you know the thing is is that there are uh, country clubs across the United States that they require a 200 gram sample of perennial ryegrass for their overseed needs. Okay, that's the best of the best. Price doesn't matter. I gotta have top quilt. Okay, top shelf. But then. When it comes to the homeowners, the normal day-to-day stuff, again, you're going to have crop. You're going to have wheat in that. Life's not perfect. We want it to be, but you are correct. There's a very small percentage of gold tag that goes to the end users. Most of it's going to sod farms because they'll pay that buck to ensure that they don't have any quality problems that are going to sod products and to their farms and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I don't, I think you're being realistic because you do the homework. Our competitors have fantastic genetics, just as we do. But like no you said, life. like and you I, said, I for for it not to germ, there's something wrong. Either something was sprayed that hindered germination, <clears throat> soil temps were off, or you know, watering schedule. But like you say, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said what's been sprayed. Because if some kind of herbicide was sprayed, you know, you're not supposed to seed for 28 days, 30 days. Boom. There's your culprit. M or something. Who knows, man? I mean, we can't really can't really see what he's saying. Well, if there's then, a problem, then, ultimately we want everyone to be happy and that to be yeah. a success. You know, we want then, people investing this much into some of our brands to come out with a good experience. So the other thing is to... soil, you know, soil to seed contact. Yep. I struggle with that one myself, guys. I oversee probably two or three times a year, but I don't, I don't. Put it in the soil. I just broadcast the guys. Austin just I'm like, lazy. he takes a seeding rate and he's like, can I quadruple? Can I quintuple that? I'm like, I'm the, okay, how much can I get by? I'm trying to picture as a homeowner, <laughs> like I am going the exact seeding rate. I need to get every bang for this buck. Uh, it's probably because I'm just. That's that's another it. thing. All this <laughs> <I'm> I, cheap. <laughs> on, on seeding and stuff. I've got all kind of equipment to seed with. I've got core pluggers, aerovators. Yeah. I got an aggravator. I've I've sunk so much money <laughs> in trying to. But I was standing in a field yesterday getting ready to bush hog, and it's like knee-high, seed heads everywhere. And I'm looking at this thinking, hey, you know, before we ever came along, this stuff came up. It seed-headed. It fell. The rain popped it, knocked it in the dirt, and then it came back, you know. So – it's all it it can go all over the place like you're saying as far as the soil to seed not i mean it's it's a big discussion what's your guys' favorite tool uh i find mine is a <laughs> the sunjo d thatcher like i've i've used that at yeah. friends families <laughs> houses Got so him. much more than Got my him. own house Got him. <laughs> no you're right you're right i mean i mentioned this on another episode where like for the price point, you can't go wrong with that machine because you'll definitely get your money's worth with that little Sun Joe Scarfire D Thatcher machine. Mm-hmm. I see oh, zero I... downside to having that thing because I've used it. I've given it to my in-laws. 
one of my buddies at work has used it like three times on his lawn. Like everybody's using it and my neighbor. So, you know, it gets a lot of use and it's still cranking. This is probably the best $130 I've spent on my lawn. Well, it's hilarious too. Cause I actually used it on a coworker's lawn the other day, like less than a thousand square feet. It busts, like just breaks. I'm like, well, I mean, I can't complain. I got a lot of uses out of it. I go on YouTube, you know, to my little, my click, my people. Uh, <laughs> and there's the neighbor dominator's first video pop up. Like, oh, it's probably a belt. I watch this video. Like, sure enough, my belt snapped. Like, I mean, to show the power of like your guys' videos and what you guys do is awesome. Um, well done, Clint. Well so, done, buddy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, hey, I give that guy. Yep. <laughs> anyway. All right, let's get this giveaway done. Yep. Yeah. 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 Looks like the that. live chat's back up. So let's. Uh, I don't know what was going on. This. I got a yeah. screen and it shows 100% clear uh, yeah. streaming to YouTube on my end. So I'm. I know some people got kicked out. It looks like for a minute, but I'm hoping the replay is smooth because yeah. it shows 100% green smooth on my part. So, okay. okay so, All right. right. Troy Congrats, is the man. Jason. Congrats, Jason Troy. And remove him. And now here's the spin for the seed. I'll take 500 pounds. See if I can get it to germinate. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably talk offline. Hey, on, on radiance, hell yeah, yes. yeah, he's another good dude. Yeah, he's been an Real original dude. supporter of ours. So, but, congratulations. Yeah, uh, you. So, Jason and and lawn radiance, you guys can reach out to me on uh, Instagram, uh, or if you find my email somewhere in the link tree or whatever, you can uh, reach out to me, and I'll get your contact info, and we'll get it sent over to Barenbrug and uh, get your. Uh, Get your your sweet prizes. That'd be that'd be best. We have a ton of hats, so I'm not sure the preference of everyone. So <laughs> the swag winner will probably have a few things to pick from. There you go. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That's the hats are nice. Thanks, guys. Yeah, mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank you for the hats and the shirts. Yes, sure. sir. Having us. And the, the coolest koozies in the world, too. Those things. Are, <laughs> those things are sweet. Those things got some strong <laughs> magnets. That's for sure. Listen, we we went to Micah, myself, uh, Sam, our director of sales, and uh, Neil, my my right hand guy. We took a road trip uh, to uh, Moab, Utah, all the way from from Oregon over there. We drove it. Yeah. I put two of those koozies on the outside of a Tahoe we rented, and they lasted the whole time we were there, all the way through. Guys, people were just staring at us. It was driving on the road, just giving us a point. They stick. Take a road trip with them. Take pictures. So, oh, you guys are dedicated to field testing there, so I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I, I put a beer. <laughs> I put a beer in my koozie with the magnet on my mower, and mm-hmm. I I got a bumpy lawn, and I'm banging over that thing. And yep, I was sipping that all all whole mow. So go, yeah, now, it, it works. Now you got a cup holder in that thing, Zach. <laughs> yep, actually, I, I already had one, so now I got two, which is there good. Go. So I'm gonna stop. <laughs> awesome. Hey, great, so, great show tonight, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate uh, uh, Micah and Austin joining us tonight. Great talk tonight. Yeah, and if anyone yep, else appreciate does, the opportunity, guys. If anyone has any direct questions for Barenbrook, just info at Bar USA. Uh, likely, it'll come to me or some other turf expert, and that's a good way to get in contact with us for any turf questions, uh, brainstorm things. That's what we're here for, really. 
Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Well, guys, we really appreciate it. Uh, if, if you're still hanging around, make sure you're subscribed, hitting the bell for, for next week's show and, uh, hit that like to, uh, to, to get us kind of bumped up in, in the YouTube world. And, you know, maybe we'll, we'll be so popular that all these outages won't happen anymore. So, <laughs> you know, we, we appreciate appreciate everybody's support, uh, Micah and Austin. Thanks again for, for being on. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks guys. Right. Appreciate the time.